0: You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast, sex and relationship advice you can use tonight.
1: Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm your co host, Brandon Ware, here with my lovely other half, Dr. Jess.
0: Hey, hey, we've been giving away free vibes. So last week we ran our first podcast contest, which was not as organized as it should have been. I learned my lesson, but we got a whole bunch of entries for these free vibrators from Romp Toys, and we've selected our winner, and I've got permission to share their name. So congratulations to Rebecca Bassett, who will be receiving in their mailbox a Romp Shine, which is one of those clitoral toys that fits around the head of the clit and uses pleasure air to create that fun suction slash kissing slash licking sensation and rebecca you'll also be getting the romp jazz which is a rabbit vibe also by romp and i I love their packaging i love their branding really cool new brands so i guess keep an eye on your mailbox we have more good vibes and giveaways to come i'm going to do the next one on ig because it's just a little organized a little bit easier for me to organize so be sure to follow sex with dr jess on ig and hey babe should people follow your IG? Yeah,
1: why not? Verity Brandon. Come and see what I'm up to and what I'm commenting on.
0: But it's not not sex toys.
1: It is definitely not sex toys. You
0: can do a sex toy giveaway on yours if you want.
1: Sure, I'm sure that all my clients and friends would be wondering what I'm changing and doing what i'm up to
0: all right so you'll give away sex toys on your channel and i'll give away a condo on mine you you donate the condo i'll donate the sex toys so of course if you are shopping for vibes adamandeve.com has extended their promo for 50 percent almost any item plus free shipping and some free goodies with code dr jess so do check out adamandeve.com well i want to dive right in because today we're going to be talking about enmeshment in relationships with a brilliant sex therapist. And I think you and I personally need to chat about this because so much has changed since we've been spending every day, not every waking hour, but every day and every night together over the course of the last 15 months. So let's talk about it. Without further ado, joining us now is Dr. Lex. Dr. Lex is a phenomenal sex therapist, educator, and media consultant. The Couples Clinician, hashtag, runs the Institute for Sexuality and Intimacy, LLC. and. And is an Amazon best-selling author. She's the coolest nerd you'll ever meet, and she's passionate about helping clients build, maintain, and perpetuate true intimacy with shame-free sex ed. She's also a licensed marriage and family therapist whose mission is to deliver sex-positive, comprehensive, gender-expansive, adipositive, positive culturally diverse, queer and trans-inclusive, medically accurate, shame-free sex education. I love that mouthful. Welcome, Dr. Legs. Oh, thank
2: you for having me. I- love being here
1: wow that is uh, quite the introduction and i have to jump in i know that you work from a sex positive inclusive shame free perspective but could you could you please tell me what added positivity is
2: oh my gosh absolutely especially because like i identify i am a fat person and it really is saying that we can be positive about our body fat whatever ways and shapes our bodies show up they deserve to be loved they deserve to be comfortable you want to be able to wear whatever you want to be able to wear and it doesn't matter the size of that body you don't have to be shamed or feel bad or be unwanted because of the shape and size of that body
1: i uh i saw on your instagram feed that you were just talking about that the other day and i thought it was great it was like it's wherever you are it's warm it's hot get out wear what you want feel good and just go with it it's like you know just enjoy it
2: i'm super flattered to look at my instagram And, (laughs) because I I forget I'm talking to people sometimes, I'm like, I'm putting this up for me, but also as a fat person, I'm thinking of pregnant people, thinking of people who don't wear shorts. It is 90 plus degrees outside and they won't wear shorts because they've been shamed for having thicker thighs or cellulite or varicose veins or or cankles, right? whatever it is, and so I actually got so many DMs from people saying, thank you. I was gonna wear you know, jeans with slits in them today to hope that would give me like some cooling off, or I was gonna still wear a jean jacket today because I have to go someplace and my body's not readily accepted or my body looks different, and no, I'm gonna put on a tank top, I'm gonna put on shorts, I'm much more comfortable. So absolutely,
0: we have to validate that. Yeah, there's so much profit to be made upon making people hate their bodies. Right. Mm -hmm. Always feel we're not good enough. And, you know, working in sex is such an interesting thing because, as you know, if we talk about sex, if we share sex toys, if we promote anything that's for sexual pleasure, we tend to get censored. Mm
1: -hmm. And so, you
0: know, I'm working with the TSC up here in Canada and we have this show where we're talking about sex toys and it's really revolutionary, but also a huge challenge because it's difficult to promote or advertise or even post Mm. on social media, right? Like I post something and I'm sitting there thinking, when is this going to get taken down? When is it going to report get reported? How does it affect my account? Of course, and my metrics, my responsibilities to advertisers and all that stuff. And then, you know, I think about the flip side, which is that we are constantly selling creams and butters and teas and, you know, all these different products. That are rooted in not liking ourselves
2: mm-hmm.
0: versus these sex toys that actually cannot do harm, right. right? Unless you take it and, you know, hit yourself with it or something. <laughs> it's so sad that we can't just, you know, celebrate our bodies. And I appreciate you speaking about fat bodies because, you know, fat was a bad word in my mm-hmm. household growing up. Like I grew up with, you know, so much fat shame and, I remember certainly, you know, it's partly cultural, but it's partly individual. Like mm-hmm. I remember as a kid, I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast before, because, you know, there's certain stories that stand out and you tell them all the, all the time and people are right. like, okay, yeah. yes, yeah, just we heard you. story, folks. But I remember being in Jamaica and putting on shorts. And I think it was my dad turned to my mom and said, oh, you can see the fat on Jessica's body once it's summertime. Oh. Uh, and the interesting thing was that I was a scrawny little toothpick. So like to my dad, everything is fat. Oh. I'm fat for sure like i should be skinnier in his mind but here's the other thing i knew how absurd it was like i was lucky enough Mm -hmm. to know to like like my body and i was a gymnast and i was an athlete so it didn't bother me as much but even like as a you know a six-year-old kid i was like wow these this person's messed i'm not messed (laughs) and of course i'm gonna wear shorts and of course i had the advantage of being skinny of course when you're skinny Mm -hmm. you're not gonna perhaps be affected you're not gonna be affected in the same way glad you're doing that work thanks for defining for that oh my gosh! Thank you.
2: Thank you for sharing that story and even the the censoring is so big so around fatness and censoring did you know fat bodies who have on the same outfits as thinner bodies actually get censored on Instagram for pornography because they're showing too much skin even that, if the exact same parts are covered that does not
0: surprise me so what can Non-fat folks do to be more supportive like I'm even just getting comfortable with the word
2: right well and so everybody doesn't identify with fat I I tend to kind of take power out of that word right just like it's a descriptive word I'm also tall I'm also black I'm also pansexual right all of these things people who are not fat one can believe fat people when they say that they're experiencing some type of discrimination if they're experiencing some type of weird looks And then two, really work to make places accessible. I just saw a posting with a man who was at some gathering and because all of the chairs had arms on them, he had severe bruising across his sides, right? And you don't think about how many chairs in my house would be accessible for a really fat person that they'd be comfortable in sitting in for a long time. We don't think about that at schools with desks. We don't think about that in office spaces or doctor's offices right? And fat people are less likely to believe when they talk about a chronic condition. Well, it's just because you, you haven't lost weight. Fat women are more likely to be convicted guilty by a jury because people don't believe them. And then we have to stop equating fat with ugly. I tell people I'm fat all the time and people are like, oh, you're beautiful. And I'm like, I never said I was ugly. <laughs> you're like, I'm beautiful. <laughs> right. I'm. I'm re- and I'm now that I've grown past that awkward stage of like kid stuff, because I, I, people give me the ugly duckling syndrome. I'm like, no, I'm really pretty now. I haven't always been pretty my whole life. This is why I still fight and throw hands. But, like, I'm really pretty now. So I've had to learn that, you know, with my fatness. And fatness or non-fatness, like, I'm still pretty. And so fat people can still be beautiful. Fat people can still wear crop tops and high heels. And fat people don't necessarily have bad health. And that assumption and that argument is what gets put in the DMs and comment sections. Well, I'm worried about your health. Do you know their resting heart rate? No. Are you their medical doctor? No. You don't know anything about this person's body, medical health care, and history. Stop framing your dislike of seeing their body as a health cause because it's not necessarily a health cause. Go be in medicine if that is your job. If that is what you're so concerned about, get your doctor degree. Go help folks who feel like they need other health options.
0: And be a doctor who actually works at their own fat phobia.
2: Right. Because...
0: I mean, what I hear is that, you know, you go in for like an ankle issue because you hurt your ankle, maybe playing a sport or doing whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. And then my friends are they're saying like, well, you need to lose weight. Can we attend mm-hmm. to my ankle right now? Mm-hmm.
2: Exactly. So. I, and I, I had that with pregnancy. Like I was a fat person who got pregnant and I had relatively healthy pregnancies. And I was like, hey, I had a really big baby the first time. I'm pregnant again. Can we do this other test to check size of baby? Because I did not follow medical advice, and I had kids very close together, and I have very large kids, so they were a little bit worried that my uterus could rupture if I was having a very large baby, and I tried to push that baby out. And she said, well, you're a big girl, Lex, you know, you're going to measure bigger. And I was like, yes, I am a big girl. And tell me how the medical literature says my size is to be treated differently than somebody who is thin, based on this measurement. And my doctor couldn't do it. So we've had to ask like for that people, I say, make sure you ask them to document when they don't want to give you a test or a treatment in your chart. Ask them for that, right? And say like, hey, put it in my chart, please, that you would not treat this issue or that you would not go for this issue and the medical reason is because of obesity. And obesity is just another word to describe that, folks. It's not a horrible word. It's a descriptive word that helps describe things that you might need. But it does trigger the phobia in folks. So absolutely. Absolutely medical doctors. And some medical doctors are less likely to treat fat people because they don't believe they'll go for fat, they'll take medical advice.
1: I remember being uh a kid and going to my doctor and I don't know that I've ever shared this with you, Jess, but I think I would have been 10 or 11 years old and I went to my family doctor. I was there on my own. My parents weren't with me and the doctor put me on the scale. And the first thing he said was, you need to be careful about your weight. And you know, it was just, it was this phobia. And I guess going to what you're saying, it was like, you you know, this is going to be the, the cause of issues in the future if you're not careful. Right. So even just thinking back to, you know, being a kid, it was like this immediate like veer away from this. It's like, make sure you're, mm. you're watching what you eat. Make sure you're you're exercising and not necessarily paying attention to maybe what the issue was as to why I was there. So mm. it's so interesting for me to hear all of these things that you're talking about and and also advocating for yourself when you're seeing your doctor or seeing a physician and and being the proponent, right? Like saying, hey, please document like that. That would be hard for me. It'd be mm-hmm. hard for me to feel comfortable already being uncomfortable, perhaps, right. and saying, can you please put that in my chart too? That you don't want to do this because then how do people interact with you from there? Like, are you being difficult or are, mm-hmm. is there something else that kind of snowballs from that as well? No, so absolutely. really interesting. To hear. I'm so sorry and you
2: went through that. Oh, me and your doctor would have a whole come to Jesus. <laughs> Me and my kids' doctors have whole come, I'm like, so we need to have a come to Jesus, which you will not do. Uh, both my kids are top of the growth chart. So 99%, they just write larger than like 97%. And they do their BMIs and I'm like, whatever. It's supposed to be a metric used for communities, not individuals, but okay. And my six, when my baby was six weeks, my doctor said I should cut down on her feeding because she was so large. And my, my child was solely nursed, And I said, pause. Did You just tell me to put my baby on a diet. Like you said, cut down on a six week, six week old food source. What sense does that make? Because at six weeks, you're not you're not already able to be a glutton. Right. You're not be like, let me eat myself so much that I just want more because it tastes good. Like you don't you don't have that ability at six weeks. And I said, so we will never have this conversation like this ever again. And you will not discuss weight with my children if you want to continue to be their pediatrician. Like you tell me, you do not talk to them about their body size. You do not talk to them about their body weight, and you will like either send me an email or we will have a follow up phone call because I'm not I'm not here for it. Especially because I'm raising little black body kids, right, who are measured against white metric standards. I'm not doing it with y'all. And I was like, you make a decision. And so now you know my kids call um, their pediatrician Doc McStuffins' grandpa, and they're like, we're gonna go see Doc McStuffins' grandpa, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes you are right but we cut that very early and i am that difficult parent i'm like yep yeah, we're going to be difficult today because i need you all to do differently and do better so we don't raise kids who feel so horrible about their bodies that they starve themselves people starve babies oh, you and you're an about... advocate
0: you're not being difficult you're literally advocating which is labor on your part so here you are just trying to take your kid to the doctor and you're having to be an advocate or an activist Mm -hmm. you're having to educate them which is just more labor on you as a black woman as a fat person saying here's here's the work you can do for the rest of us so that Mm -hmm. sorry that sounds like it sucks
2: and it sounds carrying around an invoice right like (laughs) hand people invoices like here you go
0: right i'm not paying you doctor (laughs) you can bill my insurance i mean you actually are licensed i do want to talk move on to enmeshment but before we do because i know there are there are many therapists listening and so you're, you're talking about working from an a positive perspective can mm-hmm. therapists do where can they start is there a resource are there courses is there a place to go where they can compensate people to gain this knowledge because this is really just scratching the surface this brief
2: conversation oh, here. oh right and it is just the source so uh, as therapists we always got to do our internal work first right so what is the yucks that you hold about your own body is it your fupa your fat upper portion like area is it going to be around your arms paying attention to how you're judging people and their bodies when they come in right and not the just well you just need to eat healthier and change your calories and you know just feel good about yourself that i don't know if it's toxic positivity but solely positivity isn't going to work because we're not seeing that there are systems in place Right. That contribute to this person's fatness and bodies. And we have to work on disrupting those systems as well as building confidence. I don't know if you all know this is why I didn't go into reconstructive surgery. Right. I I wanted to be a reconstructive surgeon back in the day. This is why I have a degree in physics and pre-med and a minor in math. And I was like, "Ooh, I cannot change people to conform to society standards of beauty that tell people, Like me, who might tell people like you, Dr. Jess, that you're not attractive, right? Because our noses are wider or because of our eyelids or whatever it is. I'm like, what's wrong with your nose? It looks like a strong family nose. Can you breathe? And that would be me. And I'm like, hmm, I might need to work on people inside out instead of outside in. So that's really what we're doing inside out and then practicing gratitude every day. So maybe you don't feel the sexiest in your fat body. Okay, fair. What did your fat body do for you today? You woke up, your heart is breathing, you're able to breathe, you were able to move around in some way, shape or form, and then figuring out the pleasure that's associated with that body, right? Especially after COVID, people have talked about the COVID-19 pounds and whatever else and weight gain that's happened for some folks. So it's, okay, what can we appreciate about the new skin that we have? Like, is that skin sensitive? And are there new spots to explore that can bring pleasure? What does it look like to go up a size in clothes? Clothes range in sizes by brand and by store. You might be a 10 here and you're a six here. Like clothes are arbitrary, right? So find what fits your body and what do you enjoy and how do you celebrate your body? And you mentioned last time, I
0: will never forget, like the more skin you have, could it be the more pleasure? You can derive right like so if i have an extra pound here or an extra roll here what can i get out of that and we're because we're just so size obsessed right like the bigger penis the more pleasure the you know all these different things in life bigger better it's interesting and unsurprising and fat phobic that we don't look at bodies that way so like Mm -hmm. can the bigger penis be better well, can the bigger body be better? Then, do I have a bigger orgasm if I have more skin? Am I having smaller orgasms because I have less skin? Mm-hmm. It's so funny, also, that you said you're tall because I never knew that. Because right. I only see you on Zoom, <laughs> and you're the second person this week to say I'm really tall. And I'm really, I'm really short. People think are I'm you? really tall, but I'm. I do. Yeah, That's, I know. You are I've tall t- in I've, my head. <laughs> as the kids outside the neighbors tell me because they see me in flats so i'm usually i love heels but they see me in flats because i'm just out in the garden or in the the laneway we live in a laneway and they're like no you're like five eight five nine jess the the teenagers i'm like what are you talking about i'm your height
1: seven two no it's my no it's
0: my tall energy they're like you the kids are like you have tall energy i'm like i also have very good posture i'm extremely erect because of my (laughs) piano when i was a kid but enough about me let's get to your expertise that you have around another topic thank Thank you so much for talking about positivity. I learned a lot there, but I want to talk about enmeshment because mm-hmm. on your Instagram, you posted about couples becoming enmeshed. So what is enmeshment? Walk us through
2: it, please. So big, fun, therapeutic word, the, I guess, more mainstream word would probably be look like codependence, right? Which has also been a word that's been poo-pooed, it's like, don't be codependent. But enmeshment means you have really porous and super flexible boundaries with someone right and typically a lover you can also be enmeshed with your families you can be enmeshed with your friends or community but it really is basically kind of not having boundaries you don't know where one person begins and the other person ends and we've seen those lovers right they have joint facebook accounts or join Instagram accounts and you're like,
0: Do
1: they oh. share email addresses?
2: Right. Hang on yes. though, except swingers. That's a different thing.
0: <laughs> Do you ever notice that? Yeah. Like that's a different thing.
2: <laughs> Definitely. I'm fet Life, Yeah. I'm fet Life. I always see like the couple. I'm like, oh, okay. Good to know.
0: Uh, yeah. That's a different thing. Or <laughs> a different grade. What about when we start to look alike?
2: <laughs> oh, right. Always. So the, the fun wives tale about that is because you feed each other. They say whoever feeds you, you start to look alike. Oh, Brandon, because we know you're not feeding me. I'm Yeah, constantly I was just
1: going to say, you. yeah. There's no I'm chance good.
0: of you ever looking like me. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: no, no. Our, our eating, I mean, we eat, eat at the same time, but I am always following suit. It's kind of like whatever you want to order, I'm down or whatever you want to eat. But what you said about so... en- enmeshment, though, I immediately gravitated towards, y- you said, flexibility or the blurring of boundaries. And... I don't want to cut you off from what what you were continuing to say but but immediately i'm thinking about my own you know me personally mm-hmm. and how in this relationship i feel like i'm very flexible and i'm very easygoing and there are certainly things that i don't want to deviate from like i have my hard you know at, at least boundaries but they seem to be very few, or at least I think they're very few. So am I falling into this enmeshment category? Like, is this something that I'm a part of? I'm curious, please continue.
2: So let's, let's do a little bit of a testing here, Brandon. I promise sure. you can't fail. So enmeshment also means that your emotions get blurred, right? And tell me if you've ever had this instance. Uh-oh. So your lover gets really mad at something, right? Feels mm-hmm. betrayed, is super pissed. And then you get pissed off, right? You're like, yeah, that is messed up. Like, I can't believe that happened. What the F, right?
1: Yeah. It was like, how come you're more mad than me? Uh, so I would be more upset than Jess is about that particular issue. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yes, um, that. Okay, okay. Am I, am, I, am I giving you an answer right now or am I waiting until all the questions have been?
2: Well, I want you to think about that, right? Because if the situation okay. comes up. But also in your relationship, if being an individual feels like a high cost behavior, right? So you can't go do your own thing without potential punishment, um, emotional distance, uh, having different belief systems, those types of things. Your lover is going to be like, what are you doing? Or you feel really uncomfortable with your lover doing that. Be like, I'm looking at you real strange right now because game recognize game and I don't know you,
1: <laughs> right? Um, so thinking about the second question, no, I do not feel I do not feel stifled. I feel like I'm encouraged to be my own person. And I'm, just I get out,
0: into, just get out of here. Yeah, no, I'm for like, real, go. right? She's like,
1: oh, go. <laughs> would you please leave already and go <laughs> hang out with your friends or do something? No, but I absolutely am encouraged to do my own thing, to be independent. And, and I hope that Jess feels the same way. I don't want to put words in her mouth, but I certainly feel very, I want to be supportive of what yeah. she's doing. But going back to the, um, to the I guess the first, point about getting upset like I definitely if, if Jess feels that she's been you know if, if somebody angers her I definitely when I listen oftentimes I agree I'm, I'm like yeah no I logically I'm I would agree I'm I'm angry about that too angrier usually <laughs> I could see Jess maybe questioning whether for or sure not you're I'm angrier but you're just
0: you get more angry <laughs> your vein comes out
1: but I do like- think my vein, you get vein set of my off more than me. Pops out and yeah, I get, I get set off. Yeah, but I do think that I try to think logically or maybe just bring a different perspective. I'm trying to think like, is this valid? Like the way that you're feeling, do I, should I maybe question, did that person, first of all, I would agree with Jess, but then second of all, it's like, okay, let's just like back on it. And, and is it, is it warranted? Is it just?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I always feel like I'm, I'm trying to be very supportive of Jess and I want to agree with, I uh, listen, I am her advocate. I am her, I am her confidant. I am, I am the person who's going to support her no matter what, above all else. Like there, is going to unilaterally have my support. It doesn't mean that I won't always maybe question or challenge, but I'm going to support her.
2: That sounds like validation, right? Enmeshment, so you would take that anger that you would have maybe more than Jess's, And then you'd want to go problem solve it and superman it for her. You're like, I'm going to figure out this conflict. I'm going to fix it for you. I'm going to take care of it. You don't have to worry about anything. Same thing goes if there was ever conflict between you two. You're going to be like, well, fine. I'm going to be the one that acquiesces. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to make sure everything is okay. And your emotional state would depend on the stability of your relationship. You all aren't doing really well. It is all kind of consuming. Then everything else has gone to trash. Everything else is just shit. Like, oh, well, me and Jess had a conflict. So work sucks, my life sucks, my family sucks, like everything is horrible. That's enmeshment. It's the same emotional just glob on to one another.
1: And is it a sliding scale? I mean, it must be a sliding scale, the enmeshment.
2: So what's interesting is, is the enmeshment that you hold typically comes from your family, your family of origin. So if you think about your family of origin, I always say like my family, we didn't know what privacy was. So we didn't have secrets, that was the rule, but also we had no privacy. So we were super open, information freely flowing both ways. And so when I met somebody with a boundary, I read it as rejection because I'm like, everything's supposed to be freely flowing. I'm supposed to know you intrinsically, inside and out. What do you mean privacy? That means you don't want me to know something and you're trying to sneak around. And I had to learn like, ooh, nope. This is me trying to emotionally cater to somebody and be able to, like, take care of them emotionally because I need to know all the things about them because I'm not trusting them to do it themselves because I wasn't taught that you're able to do it yourself. So you carry it, family of origin.
0: That makes sense. And I think it's an interesting word as opposed to codependence because codependence is, I feel like this label that people slap on other people and kind of diagnose from the sidelines from their armchair. What you're asking, Brennan, about sliding scale, it's, I mean, it makes sense to me that there's some sort of a continuum where it's like, oh, okay, I feel a little bit of that. And it's okay to feel some of this, hmm. maybe, but when does it become problematic, right? Differentiating between feeling for your partner and perhaps taking on some of the, those feelings versus you using those feelings to kind of outdo them to take control of the situation. One exercise that I often do with couples and you know Brandon and I've had these conversations ourselves is when I feel blank, I want you to blank. And i don't want you to blank Mm -hmm. so when i feel angry about work i want you to what i would say is shut up and listen and i don't want you to offer solutions Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right and so i think about brandon no and brandon knows that about me because i would say in the beginning brandon if we go back you know when we first started you'd be like well just do this or do that or do this or well you need to do you need to step up and do this when i just want you to listen whereas we've talked about this babe and when you're frustrated about work you're often Very different looking to me for solutions so i do think there's this like this is such an interesting mm-hmm. i think experience and it's not all good and all bad, right? Right. Like same thing with codependence, like anybody who thinks they're independent, unless you live off the grid in the woods, there's always, I I think that's right, right? Some There's always some codependence. And when I like the language of enmeshment because I think about being practically enmeshed during COVID, being as you described emotionally or psychologically enmeshed. So emotionally Mm -hmm. meaning taking on their feelings, psychologically meaning if this is not okay, the world is garbage, you know, value-based, Meaning if they value something, therefore I must value it. And there's all these conversations are so nuanced because then I'm thinking about like politics and how mm-hmm. there are and, and rights and justice and liberation and how for some of us, there actually is no gray area on that. Right, absolutely. Um, versus, oh, I value money this much or I value time this way and having mm-hmm. to align in every way. And then finally, and not that this list is exhaustive, but sexual right. enmeshment. Like my partner's really into this, therefore I must fulfill that need. And I am the only source to fulfill that need. And I can see you writing a book on this, but what I have to ask is what are the costs of enmeshment quickly and what can we do about it if we're feeling enmeshed? Because it doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're a screw up. It doesn't mean that the relationship is doomed. What should we be aware of in terms of costs and how can we move to be less enmeshed or more positively
2: Mm -hmm. enmeshed or however you like to frame it right so and to answer brandon's question because it goes with this question there are levels to enmeshment Um, my grandma lived in hawaii for a number of years and so that first initial stage when you first get to know your lover and you kind of just like watch tv and eat food and gain weight and they call it your happy weight on the island because you're just recycling each other you're like i just want to spend all my time with you That's enmeshment, that's absolutely enmeshment. I'm happy because you're happy and this is wonderful. And when you're sad, I'm sad, right? And that's the getting to know that person. When it becomes a more stable and stabilized relationship, I know you, you know me, we know each other's boundaries, we're building intimacy. We want that to start to be like, oh, we are two separate people, right? So that the big word is differentiation or individuation, right? So you are an individual person. And we like you to be able to stay close to one another, whatever closeness feels safe for you all. Some people feel close at one step apart. Some people feel close at five steps apart and that's what feels safe. Some people don't feel close at all and need 20 feet, right? They have to figure out what that safety in your relationship and lovership dance looks like. And if it's okay, we're one step apart, that feels really good to us, wait, we had an argument, now we're four steps apart, and now I feel really, really distant from you. How do we get back together? It's, these are my individual values, belief systems, desires, likes. What are your individual values, likes? And then we try and accommodate. So that compromise is accommodation. So it's not one person acquiescing to make the other person happy and self-sacrificing to be good. I'm gonna self-sacrifice my own belief system to be a good wife. I'm gonna self-sacrifice my own job to be a good husband. Like, no, it leads to resentment and bitterness and nobody wants that. What you do is say, how can I accommodate you? I'm willing to bend this much. Can you meet me? And what are you willing to bend on? Because that conflict is opportunity. And so is that enmeshment of saying like, well, my lover just left me to go play volleyball. Great for them, they really enjoy the game. Like, what can you do by yourself? Like, have you explored a new porn category? Do you just want to watch a show by yourself? <laughs> what do you get to do on your own and enjoying that time? I, so we're looking for individuation.
0: I like those examples. One plays volleyball, the other explores a new porn category. <laughs> Which one do you want, babe? Volleyball or new porn?
1: <laughs> kind of depends on the day. Depends on how I'm feeling.
0: <laughs> That's so helpful. Your language is so helpful. I saw another post on your Instagram and folks should make sure they they follow along with Dr. Lex. But you said something along the lines of some people see conflict as I forget and some people see it as an opportunity. So what was threat.
2: That? It's either a threat or an opportunity,
0: right? Oh, I struggle with this. If, if I didn't know you, I would beg you to be my therapist on this one. Cause <laughs> I definitely see conflict as a threat mm-hmm. uh, in a most in, but it's not in all relationships. I don't right. see conflict with Brandon as a threat threat. Whoa. I definitely no. see it <laughs> as an opportunity. It's an
1: opportunity, <laughs> but I
0: also really appreciate the language. My mom always hated the word sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she wasn't so keen on compromise because I think it aligned too much with sacrifice for her. Like mm-hmm. it, sh- it seemed like something that would build to resentment. It seemed like it had to be a loss versus a shared gain yeah. or movement. And so you use the words. I heard you say something around flexibility. Mm-hmm. That may not the exact word. Accommodate. I've never mm-hmm. thought of it that way. Like, what can I do to accommodate? Because it, it's nice to be accommodating, not like a doormat accommodating. Right. But that's so helpful. And so. How would you suggest folks start this conversation as we move out of uh, you know, lockdown, COVID, we're all in different places with different opportunities for movement. Brandon and I are still in lockdown, but I know that you're obviously in a space where you can move around. Yeah. Uh, and so we have more opportunities to spend time with other people, to take up a new hobby, to uh, mm-hmm. spend time apart. How do we start that conversation?
2: Right, so I think one, we reassure our lovers that I value you so much and I value us so much. I have enjoyed or I have struggled and we are at this place now in surviving COVID that I think it's time for us to like start to bring in new energy, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a new lover or anything like that. It means I really miss being able to be with my community in these ways. I really miss being able to enjoy whatever it was and then come home and tell you about it right? And so you're still bringing that energy back home to that lovership, but it is renewed energy that is not self-generated from both of you.
0: I love that. So reassure them, let them know what it is you want and talk about kind of how it's shared. I, that's mm-hmm. that's just a really helpful framework for, for me personally. And this conversation is really interesting to me because I do think Brynn and you and I have become more practically enmeshed over the last However many months it's been. Okay. Who's who's counting? I am. Sixteen I mean, months, four days, yeah. sixteen yeah. hours. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I, I just I, I'm thinking about how we're gonna transition back to regular life. Uh, because I'm I'm gonna miss you a lot. Like I'm really mm. that those nights and nights and weeks, sometimes weeks apart when I was on the road before Mm -hmm. were really energizing to me, but I don't remember what it feels like because I just really love having you by my side. So I think this will be an important conversation for you and I to have as well. Dr. Lex, anything to leave folks with, anything they can try tonight, a conversation, a reflection, any suggestions for us at all?
2: Right, so that reflection, and I am gonna give this to you, Jess and Brandon, right, is to remember that during times when things are shifting, People often feel like, oh my God, we need help. This is a big change. But it really is your system starting to adjust to something different. It doesn't mean that it's the end of the world. It doesn't mean that it's doomsday. It can be really hard and it also doesn't mean that anything is drastically wrong. You're just learning something new. You're learning a new skill. And so you're gonna burn a pot of rice before you have the perfect rice, right? You're gonna figure out, you're gonna fall on your skates before you do the 360 turn. And so that's what you're doing in your relationship. You're learning something new and it's gonna feel really weird. It's gonna feel uncomfortable. And your lover is still saying, how can I accommodate you? I'm gonna stand over here. I'm not uncomfortable, but I see that you're uncomfortable and I'm willing to support you. So always remember stand on your own feet, sit on your own bottom, whatever's comfortable and accessible for your body. And then how do you reach out to your lover to support while you're standing in your own? And that's going to be really important for you all to figure out.
0: Thank you so much. That's such a great visualization to because I think when something's wrong in a relationship, we tend to turn to our partner instead of looking kind of to our own feet or our own butt in the first place. So I'm going to work on my butt. Brandon, you can work on your feet because they're bigger and sturdier. Sure than you don't mine. want me to
1: work on rubbing your feet and your butt at the same time?
0: <laughs> yeah, if you can, that's fine. Yeah. You've got the wingspan. Right Dr. Lex, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your perspective. We're always learning from you. I know you're one of Brandon's favorites. Obviously, you're one of mine. So anytime you care to join us or if there's anything we can promote, is there anything you'd like to mention coming? up in your world that ways people can learn from you and support you?
2: I'm doing a really interesting thing it still feels very big to me um, for Music Cares for the Grammys so I'm doing a panel for them Uh, it's my first time moderating so I get to not have to put on like all of the mental health things on uh, the 16th so you can go to my website Lex, com and check out that event and it's about um, being queer and black and how music is healing
1: wow that's amazing congrats on that
2: <laughs> i
0: will be tuning in or getting a ticket or I'll, I'll look into i'll look into it on your website and we'll be sharing that in the show notes thank you so much again for being with thank us today thank you
2: for having me have a great rest of your day y'all
0: Thank you for listening. I I always feel so validated and supported when I talk with Dr. Lex and I hope you do too just listening in. So don't forget uh, to follow along with Dr. Lex and check out our partner adamandeve.com for all of your pleasure needs 50% off almost any item plus free shipping and some free goodies with code Dr. Jess. And yeah, it's a good opportunity to save and try something new tonight. We will be back next week with a new episode to continue our celebration of Pride Month. We celebrate, I personally celebrate Pride 365, partially because I have to constantly come out. But this is a, a good reminder to really think back about what Pride means and where it began and how none of us is free until all of us is free. All right. Thank you. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.